All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now at the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. Are you tired of shaving? Are you tired of shopping for blades? Yes, Are you for your husband. tired of spending way too much money for crappy blades that yes. pop out and then you step on them in the shower? Yes, There's a husband. better answer. Dollarshaveclub.com forward slash sideshow. It's like Netflix for shaving. You give them a couple bucks a month, they send you razors on, an, on a schedule. They send you the razor blades and the handle and then you shave. And I don't have to go out and buy them? No, it's automatic. It's like Netflix. Do you have to return them? No, it's not that much like Netflix. So they're new. It's similar to Netflix. Yes, you're not renting an old Jimmy Stewart razor. This is a new razor. They're sent to you in groups every month. Are there his and hers? Because you take my razors. Uh, You know what? There's only one place to find out if there are, and that is... DollarShaveClub.com forward slash sideshow. Shave your face. Do some manscaping. Be smooth and yummy. Manscaping, yes. All for pennies on the dollar. Don't be an idiot. Go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash sideshow. I am Mark DiCarlo, and sitting to my right is the lovely and talented traveling diva, Yanni Alvarez. Oh, hello there, and welcome to our seventh show. Seven, lucky seven. <laughs> it's a good number. Unless we crap out. <clears throat> Great show for you today. We have, we're going to be going to Cuba, we're going to be going to Florida, we're going to be going to Los Angeles, and um, where else are we going to do? Oh, we have a super secret guest on. We're going to be talking to someone who works for a major... Airline. United States Airline. Mm -hmm. And they're going to give us all the inside tips and tricks. Which you know it's always good to know. Right. You don't want to go up there and scream and yell to get your seat or to get not bumped off a plane or to get more money when you do get bumped off a plane or to find out what gate you're going to. Lots of insider tricks and tips for the airline industry. And because it's summer and everyone's going to be traveling during the summer, we went out and got ourselves an expert expert. and we're going to be talking to her in a minute as well. So I'm excited we, about that. Yeah. I like the tips. Well, and these are insider tips. This is not just some Yahoo who travels. This is someone who works. We're not, we can't say what airline yeah, it is. Yeah, we can't. We're not going to use her real name. Therefore, she can be as honest as possible. Uh-oh. <laughs> she works at O'Hare Airport. That's all I can tell you, no, which is in the middle of the country. No, why you say that? Well, because she's got a pretty heavy Chicago accent. It will, it will be obvious. Oh, okay. It will be obvious where she works. Uh, but... We will glean her. We will suck her brain dry of all the insider tips we can possibly do. And that's all coming up on this episode of A Fork on the Road this week. As always, brought to you by EnviroTabs. One tab in your tank saves you 15% on gas. Cleans your fuel injectors, cleans your gas, makes you get more miles per gallon. $2 a tab saves you $20 a tank. If you want more information about EnviroTabs for your road trips this summer, just go to markdecarlo.com and click on the Road Raves tab. Tell you all about it. Tell you where you can get them. You get a bag of 30 of them for 30 bucks. They're they're like a dollar a piece. It's ridiculous. I've been using it myself for about over a year now, and I'm getting 15 to 20% more mileage per tank full. So it's a great product uh, made right here in the United States. With guys that are actual rocket scientists design the product. It's called EnviroTabs. Get you some today and you will save yourself 15% on your fuel costs all summer long for all your cool road trips that we will tell you about. So go to markdecarlo.com, click on the Road Raves tab. You'll learn all about EnviroTabs. We're still running our contest. We have a Vivitar 850W underwater camcorder to give away. I think that is so exciting. And the only thing you have to do to get it, it's very easy. You just tweet at Mark DeCarlo, hashtag a fork on the road, and uh, let us know today's guests. Right. Who are they? We'll tell, and we'll recap that at the end of the show. So first yeah. of all, if you're not following me, Mark DeCarlo. You should. Yeah, of course you should. 
I, I have some funny tweets now and then. We sent some funny. <laughs> we were at Disneyland. You're a comedian. You better. <laughs> we sent some funny tweets from Disneyland. And whenever I travel, I always try and find funny things to do. And it's also a great way to keep up on the show and uh, our travels as we move around the country. So it's real simple. At Mark DiCarlo. Hashtag a fork on the road and uh, let us know today's guests. Right. We'll remind you at the end of the show. So uh, let's get started with our show. Now, those of you that have been listening for a long time know that uh, Yenny and I are married and that Yenny was born and raised in Cuba. Yes. Why don't you tell the people about that? How old were you when you were born? Uh, well, <laughs> I almost fell for that. <laughs> um, we escaped because you don't leave Cuba, you escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, how do you do that? Well, different ways. You can either hop on a raft and uh, hope that you make it. Um, and hope that you don't get sent back to the Bahamas because the Bahamas if they will catch give you, you back. Right? They catch you. Oh, you're in jail. And then when you get back to Cuba, you're in serious trouble. Yeah, you're in jail right. in Cuba. It's an island prison. Mm-hmm. So um, we escaped a long time ago. The rules were a little different. Um, you couldn't leave, but I, I think they were a little... Um, well, it was a family. It was my dad, my mom, myself, my aunt, and my little cousin, who was five at the time, I believe. And um, my aunt in Florida um, pretty much paid the government to um, ask for a visa, to give us visas to go outside of the United States for a vacation. And we just. Or outside we, of Cuba. For outside, I'm sorry, outside of Cuba for a vacation. And then we just stayed in Panama. So the Cuban government thought you were just leaving town uh-huh, for a week. For a vacation. On a for vacation. A week. And the only reason we could leave is because the rest of our family stayed behind. Like, if we would have taken my uh, great-grandmother with us, with us, they would have said no. So they said yes to the five of us. And we got on a plane. We went to Panama. And um, we did not use that ticket back. But we had to pack, like, if we were going on vacation. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't take photos. We couldn't take anything major. Couldn't just, take your pets, your grandparents, no, nothing. My pets stayed behind. Yeah. And uh, so then from Panama, you eventually got into the United States. Yeah, we waited about a year and a half for our visas to come in. They never did. So, um, again, you dish out a lot more money and you wait for coyotes to say, yes, we'll smuggle you into the country. Mm-hmm. But then once, you're, once you touch American soil, you're in. You're, you're not a criminal here. You're accepted as a political refugee, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, but I, we didn't know that. No. When we came in, we were hoping we wouldn't be sent back. Mm-hmm. Um, or we wouldn't be thrown out into, you know, a whole different country like Mexico that we had never been in until that time. Um, but we were very, very lucky. I mean, they gave us our parolees right away and uh, they s- sent us to Miami. We we're very, very lucky. All this BS just to get out of Cuba. All well, of it. you don't get it unless you know. No, I, I'm just saying it's, it's ridiculous. It's an island prison. We've we've had an. We're the only, first of all, we're the only country in the world that has an embargo against Cuba. Ideally, the embargo was set up back in the '60s to drive Fidel Castro from power. How how, how has that worked out? It, I, you know, I'm. I think I'm too close to it, and I'm not extremely political unless it comes to uh, Cuban politics. Um, you're either with them or you're against them. And everybody who's in the United States like is obviously fan. against them. Um, you can't, I mean, the government, he is the fifth richest man in the whole world. The fifth richest man and his people are starving. I have a lot to say about that. I'm I know sorry. you do. I know you do. So I'm going to be asking this Cuba guy. Well, it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very unknown country to Americans here. You know, Canadians go there all the time. And just in the last couple of years, the United States government has changed some of the travel rules. So now you can actually visit Cuba if you are an American citizen under certain uh, special but not ridiculously difficult circumstances. And we found a company called Cartan Tours that does uh, excursions from the United States to Cuba. And we have uh, one of their folks on the line with us right now. And we're going to learn all you need to know as an American citizen to travel to Cuba. Let's welcome in Warren. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. Hi, Warren. Hi, how are you? (laughs) Very good. Uh, This is Warren. He works for a company called Cartan Tours. They do all kinds of uh, tours. They do cruises. They do a lot of train trips. And you just started a new trip for United States citizens to go to Cuba called People to People. Tell us, A, how is that legally possible? And then what do you do? Well, it's legally possible. Uh, you have to go through a lot of red tape with the government, of course, and uh, get a uh, certification license from um, 
OFAC, the you, Office of Foreign Assets Control. You do, not not the individual travelers, right? You do. Not you the, no, we've done, we've done all that legwork. Yeah. Okay. And what it really comes down to is uh, allowing a traveler to go under the guise of people to people, meaning you're not going to go to Cuba, sit on the beach all day long, drink mojitos, and smoke uh, Cuban cigars. Unfortunately, unfortunately, right. not not yet. <laughs> uh, the other thing is too that it's a situation where you're not just in a uh, bus and you're going past sites and uh, they're telling you, okay, here's the Capitol building, here's El Moro, here's Havana. You actually uh, will get out of the out of the bus and, and uh, meet people, uh, perhaps do an architectural tour. Uh, we met with somebody who gave us a tour of old Havana, all the architectural uh, uh, rendering that they're doing, updating. And what else we did? Uh, we met some people from uh, one of the churches where they had a senior center, senior care center. That, uh, you know, just you learn more and more about the people and, and of course, their culture. Right. So it's 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 very much a cultural exchange. You're not, like you said, sitting on a beach. You're not pretty much staying like a, an eat tourist in a Hotel Nacional and not seeing the real Cuba. Your tours are going to the real Cuba, getting to the real people and getting the uh, the story straight from the, from them. Absolutely. We visited some of the cultural uh, centers. Um, which is a yeah. big deal, which is a big deal in Cuba because a lot of the foreign tourists that do go to Cuba, like Canadians or Europeans or South Americans, they go and they stay at the Hotel Nacional. Yeah, they, they, and Beyonce and his, right. their, their little honeymoon to Cuba, which, you know, all the Cubans are not very happy about. Right, because that <laughs> money goes directly into Castro's pocket and it kind of, right. it, it, um, it celebrates and promotes a Cuba that doesn't really exist. What you are doing is you're taking people to the actual Cuban people and seeing where they live and where they sleep and how their hotels work that the locals oh. can actually go to, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, as I said, we met with uh, one cultural center was in, uh, for performing arts. Mm -hmm. And I really, I, there's no way to even explain the things that we saw there. We were only there for maybe an hour, but uh, they did like a little skit uh, that was it was kind of a, a, a young man and young lady. No words were spoken, but they they kind of went through life. And I don't know how to explain that, uh, but it was very moving. It was very moving that they started out like as little little children, and and they were growing up, and, and they were doing all the different you know motions to to portray growing up. And then as they got older, and and they finally uh, in fact died off. So again, it was very moving. Mm -hmm. uh, there was another gentleman who was playing the uh, guitar, and then there was this trumpet solo. But he wasn't playing the trumpet. He was playing the trumpet with his mouth, but no trumpet. It sounded like there was a trumpet right there. You know, there was, there's because there's like they don't have anything down there's there. There's a saying in Cuba: basically, you make do, resolviendo. Which, if you don't have something, you invent it. Necessity is the mother of invention, and Cubans are very well known for making do. Well, sure, they've got car all their cars are sixty years old. They make do, <laughs> right? So, and, there, yeah, and there's cars. You know, I knew that there were going to be old cars down there. Everybody had told me this, so I figured, okay, now you'll see a few here and there. Uh, wrong, they're everywhere, and just up and down the streets, going back and forth, and in pristine condition. Right. Well, you know, it's their livelihood. So you take people, you take, how big are your groups that you take down there? We only take uh, up to about 24 passengers because to keep it tight, their infrastructure is not ready for uh, big groups of 50 or, or more at a crack. It just does it's just not, they're just not ready for it. Okay. So people get in and, and they travel as a group of, let's say, 20 people. And they, you, you're in Havana for what four days, and Santa Clara for three days. That's correct. Yes. Okay. And in Havana, you stay, you stay in a tourist hotel, yes, or do you stay in people's houses? Yes, the uh, the Malia Cohiba. Okay. 
Which sounds like a nice very place. nice hotel. That's a very nice that's hotel. a chain. That's a worldwide chain. Malia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Cubans actually stay there too. Cubans that live in Cuba. Uh, I suppose they're you know doing business if they've come from other parts, but I think it's more of a tourist hotel. Okay, so that's where you stay. Now, tell me about there are rules and laws in Cuba that prevent people from starting their own businesses, right? Yet now they've been rewritten and people can start their own restaurants in their homes. What are those called? Those are called paladars. Paladars. We ate it. Yes, and we ate it quite a few of these paladars. And the food was just out of this world. I, I just can't say enough about how good the food was. The authentic cooking, and it's, it's all being done right almost almost in front of your eyes. I mean, you're in somebody's house. You're 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 sitting at their dining table or or an area that they've now cordoned off as a dining area, uh-huh. and and uh, they're 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 making you can smell all the stuff right there in the fresh air. It's just unbelievable. So really almost almost like a almost like a bed and breakfast concept where you're in these people's homes, yet you're getting real earthy folk recipes and food. You're not, you're not, you're, you're not at the Lowe's hotel having some guy in a big white hat serve you food. This is authentic. Right. These are just down to earth, uh, everyday people. And in fact, as you said, the bed and breakfast is very, is a very good, uh, uh, parallel because some of these paladars also have rooms to, uh, to rent. So then I'm not talking about six or seven or eight rooms, but maybe, two, three, maybe four, uh, generally at the max. And, the, you know, there again, you interact with the people, the uh, the owners, the proprietors, and the one restaurant we ate in was a newer newer place in Santa Clara, and he's got uh, dishes, plates from all over the world. So I asked him if, when I come back, if he would put a plate from Chicago, where I'm from, if he would put it on his wall. And he smiled and said, oh, well, he's for sure. He was so excited to get another <laughs> plate for his wall. <laughs> so, now, uh, Yenny, what are some of the traditional Cuban dishes that people would expect to have at one of these Polidors? Uh Well, the Paladars, as I, as I understand it, have, um, they're a little limited. So at, at sometimes you'll have the one dish throughout the day, and it's whatever meat they can get. Um, since it's by the Cuban people, you know, they have to get a, a permit in order to have that out of their home. Um, and that's their main income is the tourists. Run the restaurant, sure. Yeah, but it's it's better to eat at a paladar than to eat at one of these, you know, communist-run uh, restaurants. Um, I may be a little biased here, but... <laughs> a little. <laughs> um, and why is that? Well, <laughs> gee. Um... But um, you can you can expect to have ropa vieja if they can find the meat. You can expect to have picadillo, which is uh, I make picadillo at home. Um, picadillo good. is a meat stew with all this incredibly amazing spices, and sometimes you can put little potatoes and. Um, Do you remember what you ate when you were down there, Warren? Did you have any of this stuff? You have picadillo or the ropa, ropa vieja? vieja? Uh, yeah, I, both of those. And I also had vodka frida, vodka which frida. I am in love with. Are you? What that's is a, it? That, that's a yeah, heavy, that's I, a heavy I, duty I, dish. I want to cook that here at home and, and try it out on the neighborhood. What is family. it? What is vodka frita? It's big pieces it's, of uh, meat. It's shredded uh, beef, uh, steak, and it's been marinated with uh, like lime and garlic. Mm. And then they saute it uh, with onions, so the onions uh, will uh, caramelize. And the actually the um, the meat actually kind of gets a little on the crispy side. It was dynamite. It uh, is delicious. Well, and there you go. Talk about being the mother of invention. They probably started this recipe and marinating the meat because the cuts of meat that they could get were probably not great. So you take you take the crappier cut, like a flank or or a butt steak, and you marinate it with all these these uh, spices and things, and it elevates the flavor of the meat. Right, if if you're eating, well, it depends. Because I mean, it's not you. You can go to a butcher shop. This is a lot of these people have like they'll do an exchange that somebody will kill a cow and they'll sell it. So it's basically person to person. Mm -hmm. It's it's you know the neighbor has a cow and they'll sell you the cow or they'll sell you the pig and you slaughter it right there. So. It, it, it's really not having to do with the cuts of meat that are available. It's just with the actual whole meat that's available. The available, right. Yeah. 
And and this and rice and beans. You'll get a lot of rice and beans, which is delicious. Oh, rice and beans at every meal. Oh, so good, <laughs> so good. So I, I often tell people that have never, and believe me, there are some have never been to Chicago, which is. Uh, I always find that incredulous when I talk to someone. That's, that's, that's a crime in itself. Right? To, to not be, I think, uh, certainly a world-class city, and for my money, the, the most entertaining city. That New Orleans are, are head-to-head for me in, in America. That the way to go to Chicago is you just go to Chicago with nothing planned, and you talk to the people on the streets and say, hey, where can I go to get a pizza? Where can I go do this? Where can I go hear music? And the people of Chicago are very open especially if they know you're not around from around there chicagoans are so proud of their city and what the city offers they're excited to take you around and tell you where to go and what to do did you find that same kind of love of home in havana and santa clara or are people a little suspicious of you because you're an american no i i I found that very true that they were very excited to uh, talk to you and, and show you things, and they were very proud uh, the whole time. And yes, it, it gave me that Midwestern feel that you're very welcome here. It's very, you're, you should feel very at ease. And I did it. Uh, we walked around uh, late at night and really didn't feel any, any uh, sort of uh, worry about, you know, anything happening. It was, it was actually very, very, very safe. What about music and nightlife? Are there, you know, you hear the uh, Caribbean music. Are there places to go where you yeah. can actually go into a nightclub and hear people playing for real? Yeah, we had we were exposed to a few different. We didn't get to do one of the cabarets, unfortunately. We were we were just so pressed for time. We were trying to get into so much uh, on this tour. There was uh, just uh, three of us from Tartan. We were doing kind of a recon mission. And there were three people from Havana. Uh, one was from Havana Tour, and another two were from uh, Cuban Tourist, uh, excuse me, Cuban Travel Service. And so, anyway, we were up early, on the go all day long, a lot of walking, uh, a lot of drinking. <laughs> What's the big <laughs> yeah, drink down you there? You can't pass up a mojito or a Cuba Libre, you know. <laughs> What's the big? What's the popular rum down there? Uh, Old Havana. Old Havana, I think is Old the name Havana. of it. Old Havana. Havana Club, you mean? Or Havana Old? Club. That's ah, it. I was going to say Old, Havana, Old Havana, Havana. Havana. I haven't heard of Old Havana. Havana Club is. Uh, uh, sorry. It's always Havana a good Club. one. You can't, you can't bring it back, unfortunately. Right. That's one of the one of the restrictions. Well, actually, uh, um, I thought you could. I thought you could get like two per person. No, there's still there's still a lot of restrictions as far as what you can bring back. Uh, no cigars, cigars, I'm guessing. No um, cig- right. Yeah, it's all always the real good stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The contraband. So uh, still, an, still an embargo, right? So let me ask you a question. Uh, if um yeah. if if um if we're going to with your tours, you're going to all the paladars and eating with the local people. Have you thought about uh, staying with the local people? Because a lot of the local people will invite you into their home and rent out a room. Um, when I went to Santa Clara, I stayed with a lovely woman in this old colonial um, decorated home. That I mean, it, it was amazing, and the room was like twenty five dollars a night, and it included a breakfast buffet. Have you thought about that as opposed to a hotel to give the, your um, tour people the all-around Cuban experience? It, we've thought about it. It's very difficult, however, then, because they may be spread out. Yeah, how do you do 24 and, people that way? Yeah, when you get oh, 20 yeah, no, people, the, yeah. it makes it a little difficult. I mean, the concept is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, it would be a great concept. I think there's ha- there has to be a little more planning. And uh, don't forget, too, that when we're down there as a group, we have a bilingual guide with us at all times. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you send six people off to a Paladar and they don't speak uh, Spanish and, and the uh, people at the Paladar don't speak English, uh, a lot of sign language, I'm sure, but uh, could be a little bit of a difficulty uh, in, in the traveler's experience. All right. So what does an American citizen need to do to get on one of these trips? Well, we start them off by booking a reservation through us, and we have some forms that they need to fill out for 
the visa. We take care of that. That's all all taken care of. It's all part of the package price. Uh -huh. And it's a very very simple process. It's not is not a it's not even as as difficult as getting a, a, a visa for say go to Russia or something like that. So you it, handle actually, all of that. Cartan handles so all that. As long you as just you sign have a passport. Okay, so it's, you, it, there's no yeah, restrictions as far as that. Okay. Right, right. All right, so then people come. And going through customs was uh, pretty pretty easy both ways. Uh, even coming back to the state uh, through Miami, uh, I guess they're getting just kind of used to that happening now. And uh, all you do is you tell them that uh, you run a uh, people-to-people program uh, to Cuba and they didn't even ask me what I bought down there. Well, let me ask you a question. What about going into Cuba? Because um, I've heard stories. Once you go through uh, customs, they'll come up to you and they'll say, well, you know what? You didn't fill out this form, but if you give me $5, I'll fill it out for you and you go on your way. Have you had any of that experience or do you go all together at one and you take care of all the paperwork? Generally, we go all together. However, in our little group, I, I got pulled aside. <laughs> I guess I, I looked suspicious or something. I don't know. But I was the one in three that they chose. And it was like so basic questions. I think it's just kind of a just protocol. Just you know, they gotta do something yeah. and, and ask questions just to, to cover their butts and, mm -hmm. and you know, they were asking me why I was coming there, where I was staying. See, that would uh, freak me bring... out. That would freak yeah, me that, out, Warren. They were so sweet. Yeah, they were so sweet though about it. I mean it wasn't like I was in a room. Uh, chained uh, to a chair with guns pointing at my head and, and, and lights, uh, you know, hot lights at me or anything like that. Did you pay him uh, off? They're, they're <laughs> Did you pay him off? Oh, no, no, no. Although I probably could have. I could have probably given him a, a baseball hat or something. Right, that's what Chicago, Chicago and Cuba have in common, you know. Here, here's 20 bucks. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> so this... Here's a few coops for you. That's the uh, convertible uh, currency that, right. quote, the tour use. All right, yeah. so the company's called Cartan Tours, and what's your website? It's cartantours.com. Uh, C-A-R-T-N, just like it sounds, for right. it all together. And the uh, it's an eight-day trip. Uh, you you fly from yeah. wherever you live to Miami. You spend a night in Miami. Then you go to Cuba for seven days, and you come back. It The itinerary looks fantastic. If, if you're looking for a different vacation, you know, some people go to Africa and they do, uh, you know, they go build a school or they go build something. It, it's a different kind of vacation. And I think you really get a flavor in more ways than one uh, of the place that you're visiting. You know, it's a very mysterious culture to us Americans. And it sounds like a great way to really immerse yourself in a different, a totally different world. Oh, it is by by all means. It's it's, it's really eye opening uh, to see the way things are, and you know it's not like it's not like your other islands in the Caribbean where there's uh, Diamond International and all these uh, gift shops up right. and down the main drag. There isn't. They don't have that. that. That's just not their the way they operate. It's not like that. All right, well, we thank you very much for your expert uh, insights, Warren. We wish you the best with your travels. It's uh, Cartan Tours, C-A-R-T-A-N Tours. We'll have that link up on our website. And uh, we wish you the best and uh, fantastic cultural argonauting to you, my friend. <laughs> well, uh, gracias. Mucho gracias. De nada. De nada, señor. Adios. Ciao. Adios. Bye-bye. Uh, that sounds very exciting. Yeah, as long as you're, you know, you're staying with the people and you're seeing everything for what it is and you're not blinded by a company that's taking you just to the main hotels and just to Havana. I mean, I, I like the fact that this guy's going to the Paladares and he's venturing outside of the elite area. So you get to see the real Cuba, not just what the government wants you to see. I'm very opposed to that. Yes, baby, as we discussed this off air. Well, that's I why I try not to be political, but no, you I, I can't get help it. it. I, I understand. I mean, you know, I feel differently about Sox fans because than I do about Cub fans. Yeah. I understand. And uh given yeah, your background. This is not a baseball game, honey. I understand that, but given your given your background, I get it. And that the reason we had Warren and Cartan on this show is because they don't just take you to the Hotel Nacional mm -hmm. and to all the, the, the popular tourist. They don't take you to the Hotel Nacional at all. Right. This is a this is a people-to-people -people 
It's actually called the People to People Tour, and you really interface that with I like. the local people. And you can people. make up your own mind about the politics of the country, if it's right. black, white, or maybe a little gray. I'm sure it's very gray, like Castro's beard. Is he ever going to die? Hopefully soon. What if he's a robot? You know what? Disconnect him. <laughs> you don't hear me talk about anybody in the world like this. No. You think there'll be a party in Miami the oh, day he honey, dies? that's where we're going to be when he dies. <laughs> Cartan Tours, great way to go to uh, Cuba. I, he made me want to go. I, I would like to try that. It sounds we'll very see. interesting. I don't know about that. All right, I don't now, know if I'm going. All right, let's move on to a more uh, American city, shall we? Okay. You know, you know, let's stay in Florida. There's a lot of things to do in Florida in the summer, believe it or not. And uh, we have one of our friends there. She works for the state of Florida. We want to have her on the show to tell us all the cool, fun things you can do in the Sunshine State while the sun is shining during your summer vacation. This is Rosito Mabubi. Welcome to A Fork on the Road, Rosita. Well, hello there. So now you are on the board for the State of Florida Tourism Board, correct? Yes, I am. I am actually serving on the uh, board of Directors for the Florida Association of Destination Marketing Organizations, as well as uh, the Promotions Committee for Visit Florida. How many bikinis do you own? <laughs> I could not count. Probably 20 or more. <laughs> I remember the days when I lived at the beach. <laughs> Flip-flops, shorts, hey, and bikini that's, tops. that's all you need in Florida. I guess. Flip-flop. Yeah. After Yenny escaped from Cuba, she lived in Florida her whole life, and she's got a garbage bag filled with bikinis. Garbage bag? Well, you know, a plastic garbage bag. garbage bag filled with anything. You have a whole suitcase filled with bikinis, and then you go out and buy more bikinis. How many bikinis do you girls I, need? I, I think I agree out. with her. You can never have enough. All right. And it now, depends on your mood. Right. Yeah, and it depends on <laughs> exactly. and at that time it depends on your tan. If you have a great tan, exactly. you wear white. There Otherwise, you uh -uh. go. I see. I didn't realize it was that complicated. For the fourth of July you wear a bikini with a with a flag? Uh-huh. It's you know, it's seasonal. I see. I didn't realize. It's seasonal. You've got colors, you've got themes, you've got, you know, like your skinny days and your not so skinny days. Exactly. <laughs> I see. Women's complaints. I hear you. Um, now, is that a Florida accent I detect on you, Rosita? Well, I've been here long enough that I could probably have some sort of a F Florida accent, but <laughs> I probably have a multiple of accents. One of them is from the Middle East, but um, I've lived all over the place. So You are one of the, the um, most well-traveled people I've ever met. I'm kind of global. I've been accused of being global, yes. Well, but that's great. That's a good thing. And you always come back to Florida. What is it about Florida that people love so much, do you think? I tell you, I think it's <clears throat> something in the air. It's the sunshine. It's the beaches. It's, it's that feeling that you get when you go on vacation. I think even when you live here, you get that feeling. Um, I came here a few years ago, and I've, I've moved around and lived in a lot of places, and I don't know what to go to from here because it feels like the ultimate. So um, it is it is that happy feeling that you get in, in your in the bottom of your stomach when you go on vacation. That's what Florida gives you. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people, I mean, I grew up in Chicago, so we would go to Florida every Christmas when it's cold and nasty up north. But do people come to Florida during the summer? Is there anything to do in Florida during the summer? Are there any... Tell me some special things that people can do on their summer vacations in Florida. Actually, you can do everything you could do in the summer that you would do in the winter in Florida. Florida is an all-year-round vacation destination. But isn't it and brutally actually, hot during you, the summer? Not brutally hot. It's cooler over it there now than it is brutally in California. Hot. Exactly. It's not, it's not as hot as people think it would be. I would think, I would think it would be. Beaches. I think it would be hot as balls, to quote uh, a famous poet. It is not hot as balls? It is. Shakespeare? <laughs> Shakespeare yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> but, you know, you've got, you've got a breeze from the ocean. Right. Florida is flat. There's no, 
There's no mountains. So you actually get the breeze. If you look at the state of Florida, it's long and narrow. Mm-hmm. You get that breeze that comes across. So there's a plenty of beach breezes and, and different bodies of water throughout the state that will keep you cool through the, through the summer. Right. So you've got, I, I wouldn't worry about the weather. There is, there are times where there's more rain than it is in the winter, but that's never a guarantee anyway. You could go anywhere and you may have rain, you may not. Right. The nice thing about the rain here is that even if it was raining, um, that's, that's one of the things that people may be concerned about about the summer. Even if it's raining, it's warm and it's like showers. It's not nasty. It's right, it's tropical. It rains for 10 minutes and then it's, it's gone. It's tropical. Okay. Well, Absolutely. Are, are there now, like food festivals? Activities, yeah, activities. Absolutely. There's Florida is very um, diverse in activities. And actually, if you look at the state of Florida, there's there's tons of, most people know Miami and they know Orlando. But there's a zillion other small destinations in between. There's a lot of outdoor activities. Um, there's boating, fishing, golfing, um, kayaking, horseback riding. You can do a lot of different activities besides all the great culture and museums and restaurants and shopping and what about music parks and all the other things. What about live music festivals and food festivals and stuff like that? Florida is known for having the best festivals. We've got food festivals, wine and food festivals, seafood festivals. Um, there are amazing festivals and music. And art festival. Uh, what about, about any art, kind of music. art Basel Miami? Art Basel. I think art is one of the number one uh, things that people travel for. Um, and definitely having a festival with a setting that we have with, with the beaches and that tropical setting makes it even better. Well, and because Miami is a port city and kind of like a mixing melting pot like New Orleans or New York or Boston, in the art world, I'm sure there's a lot of different influences. You probably have African and, and uh, Caribbean and Southern all kind of mixed up together The art there is Miami. actually quite good. Uh, Miami Beach that's, on Lincoln Road has this incredible artist community. I think that's a good point. Yeah. And also you um, have a the, lot of memorabilia. You, you have a lot of um, Cuban memorabilia there that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, there's tons of Cuban. Oh, I totally <laughs> agree. I think Miami is such a melting pot in, in its residence, and that kind of carried on to the way that the, the lifestyle there, and, and of course the tourists get to benefit from it. And you're absolutely right. The, that the Cuban, the South American um, culture there, and even Europeans, there's a lot of influence from different cultures in Miami. It, it is the gateway to the country as far as all the flights and all the cruises that come through right. there. So it does bring all of that culture with it. Plus, speaking of bikinis, in, in, there's Maboobies as far as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true, and Thank you for including me in that. You're welcome. <laughs> Where, <laughs> what website can people go to, Rosito Mabubi, to find out about all the happenings and things that are going on in Florida? Is there one site that lists all the festivals and the art and the music and all that stuff? Absolutely. I would say go to visitflorida.com mm-hmm. and everything you would want to know about the state of Florida is there and you can find your favorite experience and follow it there. The other thing that I think it's important for people to know is that this year is is an anniversary. It's a special year for the state of Florida. It's Viva 500. It's the state's 500-year um, anniversary of um, the Spanish uh, culture. And there's a lot of special events, festivals, restaurants, and different things that are happening on that site that I think will be great for people to know, especially in 2013, including great rates and packages from hotels and attractions and so on. Florida is 500 years old? It doesn't look a day yes, over 400. I agree. It looks pretty young. <laughs> it really has aged well. Well, thank you for your time, Rosito Mabubi uh, from visitflorida.com. 
Um, we will be, I'm sure we'll be in Florida at some point during the summer. Hopefully. Uh, come we down look, there and visit. We look forward to having you. And we look forward to being there. Thank you for thank being you, our Rosita. Florida correspondent, Rosita. Well, thank you. You guys have a fabulous time on the West Coast and we'll be waiting for you on the East Coast. We'll Love it. Soon. Thanks for your time. Bye. Talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. See, I would have never thought to go to Florida in the middle of the summer. Why not? Well, because it's humid. The beach. Right. The water is actually warm. You can get in there. You can't get in the water here even in the summer. In Los it's Angeles. That's true. cold. Well, and another thing that she mentioned there at the end is the rates are low during the summer. Mm-hmm. You, you can get a really great bargain. And Miami's Miami. Miami, you can get great bargains anywhere. So summer. It's all about traveling, going places. People have their vacations. They have their time off. A lot of people will road trip. Uh, probably even more people will fly. Will fly, and there are a lot of bad things that can happen to you when you fly. You can get bumped. You can lose your luggage. You can get in a crappy middle seat. You can get stuck to a guy that doesn't even know how to spell shower, <laughs> let alone take one. But that doesn't happen to us because we have uh, insiders. We have an insider. The person we're going to talk to now. We're not going to use her real name. She works for one of the major American carriers. She works at O'Hare Airport in Chicago, and she's on the line with us now. Sylvia, welcome to A Fork on the Road. Hi, Sylvia. Hi, how are you? We're great. Thanks for joining us. Now, because we want you to be completely honest and uh, give us the insider tips, we're not using your real name, but uh, I've known you for quite some time, and I know you to be a person of fine, upstanding moral character. So I'm going to assume that everything you're going to tell us is true. Absolutely. So, now, how long have you worked uh, at, for the company that you work for? Uh, 13 years. So you know air travel. You're not just some schmuck off the street. No. <laughs> you know the ins and outs of air travel. Uh, somewhat, yes. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, first of all, I'm going to say in the last year or so, I've noticed that airplanes are full. Not 90% full, 99% full. There's never an empty seat. Why is that? What's going on? Well, in the past few years, with all the um, smaller carriers coming, the JetBlue, the Southwest, the bargain basement carriers, the, the legacy carriers like United American, they have to compete with the fares. So, for the traveler, the fares are a lot lower than they used to be, and hence, full, fuller flights. And also, less seats, the airlines have combined you've got the delta uh, northwest united continental merger mm-hmm. um so there's less airplanes so obviously then uh, less seats so that's why the flights are so full and it, but it seems like the prices have been going up not down is that not accurate in some cases yes and then some and then one guy will say oh hey you know what let's give a discount to this area and then every all the other airlines jump in but unfortunately with the streaming down of the, the companies, and they become less and less now we're with the recent American and U.S. Air potential merger. Right. It's less competition, so obviously now they can kind of raise fares, but they can't go crazy just yet, but you will see the fares inching up. Right, so there, there are less airlines that are flying, less routes that are being flown, so maybe back in the past, there were 5,000 seats a day from... L.A. to Chicago, now maybe there's 4,000. Ouch. Correct. Right. So the price is going to continue to go up. The availability is going to go down. Now, another thing airlines have been doing, which drives me effing crazy, is you can't get you can't like get an aisle seat anymore. You have to pay an extra $30 or an extra $40. Is there any way around that crap? Because it sucks. Um, to do it ahead of time, no. Because you're... In order to guarantee that when you walk in the door, you're going to have the seat that you want, you're going to have to pay for it. And that's, you know, if you want the bulkhead, it's going to cost you. If you want the, some airlines have a section with seats with a little bit extra room. They're going to charge you more. They're going to charge you a little bit more for the seats in the front. Mm -hmm. If you want to take a chance and come to the airport and say, you know, is there an aisle seat I can switch to? And you luck out and get that aisle seat, then you don't have to pay for the extra charge. How early can you do that? How uh, they far? have the part. 
How far in advance um, can you do that? Can you do it over the phone? Can you call on your way to the airport? Do you have to get there early enough and do it in person? To be honest with you, because I'm at the airport, I don't know much about calling in. If you, I'm going to assume that if you call in, they're they're going to say, okay, yeah, fine, I'll switch you, but I, you know, you got to pay for it. Right. Um, That's what they do. You, they, they charge you if you try and do it online or via the phone. They charge you. So what you're saying is the best way is just to get to if you, if you want to save the money. And so it's like right. $69, $59. It can be expensive and it adds up. I think the best way to do it is to go to the airport and talk to the person at the gate. So let Definitely. I want to hear a horror story because I know that you worked the gate at O'Hare. And I'm sure over the years, some people have said some horrible, vile things to you. Do you have any good stories you can share before we teach people how to do it the right way? What's the wrong way to talk to an airport person <laughs> behind a counter? Anger, yelling, swearing, gets you nowhere. Like what? What's the, um, what's the worst thing someone, and you can, we're on iTunes, so you can swear. What's the worst thing someone ever said to you? <laughs> well, I've been called a fucking bitch. <laughs> really? Uh, oh, that's not oh yeah. I've that's been, yeah, pretty much all the names. Why did he call um, you a fucking bitch? What, what was his problem, if you recall? Um, I couldn't get him on a flight. His flight canceled, and there were no seats available. It was a snow day. And obviously then, you know, you got a lot of flights canceled, so it's hard to get people out. And I had to tell him I couldn't get him out for a couple of days. So, and it is how I look at it. And a lot of my coworkers can get a lot more with sugar. And if you're nice and understanding and patient, the employees going to, or the majority of them are going to want to help you. They're going to do what they, they're going to feel bad. They're going to try and do everything they can to help you. If you're a jerk, and you're screaming and you're yelling and it, it just goes the opposite way. I was once, I had a line of passengers in, in front of me and a guy yelling and screaming and the lady behind him just was, she was watching, paying attention, listening to the whole thing. She storms off and she walks up to me and she said, you know, I used to be a passenger like that and I used to scream and yell. She says, but I watch, there used to be a program on called Airline, and she says, I watch that program, and I see what people look like when they do that and how awful they look, and she says, I don't do that anymore. And I bet she so, got on the plane before that guy. She, she, she got a lot more help than that guy did, yeah. Yeah, so that's, folks, if you're listening, that is the one thing you want to do. It's not, it's not the person behind the counter's fault that there's snow at O'Hare. Yeah, it's not their fault. No. So to scream and yell at them, first of all, tells me that he has a tiny penis. <laughs> right? That's, that's, yeah. that's rule one. Second of all, he thinks he's obviously more important than anyone else in line and deserves you know, you, for you to bend over and kiss his ass. And when, yeah. when It's just like in real life. If you treat someone <laughs> like that in real life, you're not going to get anywhere. Whereas you, if, if you walk up, here, here's what I would do in that situation. You tell me if this is right or wrong. The guy in front of you, in front of me, calls you a crazy bitch and then runs away. I would walk up and I would say, "That is unprofessional. That's I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. I know you're swamped here. I've got to get from Chicago and I got to get to New York. I'm doing a show tomorrow. I'm not going to waste your time. Whatever you can do to get me out of here as soon as possible, either with your airline or another airline, I'm cool. I'm going to be sitting right over there. You know, flag me down when you got something for me, and then I just walk yeah. away." Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to walk away. Uh, I've had people come up and say, you know what, you handled that great, or, you know, you've got some, the patience of Job, or whatever. And then, you know, they tell me their story, and they're very nice about it. And then it's like, okay, you know, I want to help you. I want to get you where you need to go, and I will do whatever I can. I will look for whatever. I may not give you the answer that you're looking for, but I will give you the best answer that I can. Now, how much... Of a difference does the status make in the airline? You know, if you're gold or platinum or silver or whatever. Um, it makes a difference for standby. You know, they go above everybody else, and that's a hard pill for a lot of uh, the regular passengers to swallow. You know, they've been standing by all day, and you've got these guys walking up, and they're getting on ahead of them. Um, that helps. Um, the higher the status you are, the more the airline kisses your ass. Right. So you, you, know, you mentioned that friend. obviously when if you're with a stat if you have status with the airline that you're flying on, you mention that when you're talking to the person too, right? Well, we know that. It's, I'll, I'll look at your record. I know what your status is. I you don't have to you don't have to tell me. In fact, a lot of the people who 
come up and say, what can you do for me? You know, um, you know, and I'm helping him. And then the guy that slaps this thing on the counter says, I'm an executive platinum, blah, 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 blah. Here's a guy now, again, going back to it. Hey, it's all about me. I'm the important one. Right. So I know who you are, you know. So basically so, just don't be an asshole. That's rule one. Yeah. Don't and, be yeah. an asshole. And just to, yeah. um, somebody told me once that you guys keep records. You guys keep uh, little um, data info on who gets mad and what they said and all this stuff. Is that true? Is that true? Do you type in this guy yelled at me? He called me an effing bitch, and so that if the next person knows how to deal with this person. Yes, if it's uh, it's really like your egregious. permanent record in Catholic yeah. school. <laughs> if, if it's egregious enough, where you know, this person's going to, if I think they're going to write in and say, she did this, she said that, I'm going to put my story in the reservation. So when that person does write in and wants, the, you know, the airline to give them the world and refund their ticket and stuff, they can look at it and get both sides of the story. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've had passengers make up stories, you know, oh, you know, she said this and blah, 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 or when she they're talking me. about another, an agent or, you know, it's, so it's, it's not done all the time. I don't. I don't do it unless it's really bad. Something okay. really bad happened, or, or what's that? And whenever you do do it, does it stay forever in that passenger's no. record under the no. number? Or as soon as the reservation is done, then it's gone from the record. Yes, then it's gone, and it, it's not anything that's kept somewhere. Now, if somebody was to attack an employee, then we would call headquarters. Now you're talking about getting something put in a permanent record where the airline might want to say, we don't ever want this person to fly on our carrier. And maybe has happened uh, wow. a few times. Yeah, Alec Baldwin. And, oh. Pardon? Alec Baldwin. He was not attacking <laughs> anybody. He just was just playing. playing. This game. All right, so rule number one, don't be an asshole. Rule number two is... They don't be Alec Baldwin. Don't be Alec Baldwin. They remember. Now, how about this? I've been in the situation where I've been very polite, and the person behind the counter... Is it is a total bitch, and is is just being snotty for no reason. Um, the way I deal with that is I get extra sweet, and I like like if I have to get on the next plane and they've made a mistake and they've bumped me or they've lost my reservation or I, when I clearly know that I'm in the right, I plant my feet at the counter and I just do not move until I get what I want. What's your take on uh, if that? Somebody, well, if somebody's being a total bitch, you're not going to, you standing there is not going to intimidate them. I'm not, no, I'm not I saying I'm trying to intimidate them. I just say, listen, I got to get here. I have a ticket that says I'm on this plane in 22C. You're telling me that I'm not. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? How, how can you press your need when the person's being a jerk back to you without descending into just like a, you know, a tit for tat fight? You find right. somebody else? Um, I would say that the, probably the best way is if, you know, you're coming up to me and I'm not helping you at all and I'm being a jerk, just politely say, excuse me, but would you mind if I speak to you? Can you call your supervisor? And let the supervisor come over and handle it just standing there. I, unfortunately, you know, I can do any aviation can do a whole lot to a passenger if they wanted them to, if they wanted to. If it's wrong and they shouldn't do it. But, you know, I could say, okay, yeah, you don't have 22C anymore, but you got 30E. Great. You know, have fun or something like that. I think it's best to just say, you know, I, I could see that you're busy. Can I speak to your supervisor? And like I want, that. you know. That's a good, that's a good yeah. sentence. I can yeah, see that you know you're what? busy. I have to tell you, yeah. sometimes the supervisor will back up the other person's story no Most matter of the what time. they're not going to be because I think in the in the travel industry um, with the airlines since you hand off the person to so many different hands they just wash your hands off of you and they leave it for the next person mm-hmm. um, this happened to me a while back where the supervisor told me that he was not a supervisor that he was not going to be at that gate and he shushed me over to someone else when I was stuck at the airport, and everybody else was stuck there as well. And I just said, you know what? But I, I, they told me I had this seat, and they just told me to wait at the gate. And here I am, and I'm waiting at the gate, and you're telling me I don't have the seat when they, they already told me I had the seat. And then later on, I see the supervisor comes back because somebody else called the supervisor, and it is the guy, and it is the supervisor, and he is at the gate. So how do you deal with that? And who else are you going to go and call and say, well, this person said he wasn't the supervisor. He just plain out lied. How do you deal with that? And well, they get of, away with oh, it because you pass it on to somebody else. The moment I'm in the plane, 
then, you know, it's not, it's no longer his deal. Somebody else has to deal with me. Right. And unfortunately that does happen. But if you, a super, a manager will have a regular clothes on. They will not have a uniform. So, and there, a lot of airlines have supervisors that have a uniform or their uniform is slightly different and they're given a supervisory role to kind of help the manager because the manager may, may cover a whole concourse and have to get, you know, all, all over. So you have to rely on these, these um, middle middlemen, so to speak, to kind of be the first point of contact. If it's somebody who seems like they're just a glorified agent, they're, you're not really going to, if you don't get a, somebody who cares, then you're not going to get anywhere. And unfortunately, they're, they're out there. Yeah. Are there a lot of them? No, I think the majority of people are good, but I agree there are that. some that are not. There are some cities that have a reputation for not being very helpful as a, as a whole. You know, uh-huh. in our in our network, I can you know name you a couple of cities where I would say you're not going to get very far. But it's, it's you know you're asking for a manager. You're asking for somebody who's in street clothes, who's dressed up, who looks like a manager. Those are the people that can assist you, and then. They won't necessarily back up the agent. They're going to listen to you and hear what you have to say and then do what they can to help you. They should. I'm not saying it's going to happen 100%, but that's basically what should happen. All right. Now, during the summer especially, flights get overbooked. So airlines will sell 100 seats when they only have 90 seats on the airplane, hoping that some people will cancel and won't show up. But typically... Three or four people, you've heard the announcement, I'm sure, at the gate, we're looking for people to volunteer to get off this plane, right? You're going to bump yeah. people. Now, when that, a lot of people don't know this. When that happens, you're entitled to get something back from the airline, but there's no set compensation. It's basically what you negotiate at that moment. Is that correct? No. Ah. There is a set, there is a set rule. If you're volunteering your seat, right. the airline will tell you, and then when they make the announcement, we're looking for volunteers, we're going to give you a whatever amount travel voucher. $300, that, let's say. Yes. Whatever the price is, that's what they're offering for you to voluntarily give up your seat. Now, if nobody volunteers and you're the last three people on the list and you get bumped off the flight involuntarily, now what happens to happen is, and this is, the airline used to have, all of the airlines used to have a rate for that, but they don't anymore. Now it's a DOT um rule that they have to call a certain um we have we have to call headquarters and they will tell us based on the amount you paid for your ticket this is how much you're going to get back in either a voucher or a check okay so and is it more is it typically box- more than the cost of your ticket or less um i've seen both okay believe I've, it or not what i try and do uh in that situation is, you know, they'll say, we, we need three seats. We're giving out $300 a piece. If no one volunteers, sometimes they'll take that to 350 or 400 and it becomes kind of an auction, right? They'll, they'll keep escalating the price until they get three people to agree to, to walk off the plane, uh, you know, uh, with, with, with being paid. So is, is there a, a chicken and an egg game or a chicken and a cat and mouse game you can play with them to see it? You know, I won't do it for three hundred, but if you get to four fifty, I'll do it. Do you go talk there to is, the, talk to the gate person, or you just sit quietly and wait? No, there is a cap, and the, the agent will make the announcement. If they reach that cap, which which is what management says, you can go only up to this bar. Once that, if they get no takers, then it's an, it becomes an involuntary situation, and the last three people with no seats get left behind. Oh, I did not whether know that. they want okay, or so, not. Yes. So you can't you can't work them up the ladder uh, indefinitely. There's there's a definite. How do you know what the cap is? You used to be able to negotiate. You can't anymore. The the agent will tell you if you walk up into and they're offering say three hundred dollars. That's the 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 amount you put out. And you come up and say, well, hey, can I get four fifty? If they tell you no, three hundred is my max. That's it. They're not going to go any higher. Okay. That. Then they will just remove people. Okay. So, and when they do that, they not only give you a $300 voucher, but they also put you on another plane to where you're going. So you, 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 you're, it's not like you're using that $300 to buy your return ticket. You're, yeah. it's you're on top set. of right. it. Okay. Right. They're rebooking you. It's 
I'll give you a voucher plus book you on a later flight tonight or a flight tomorrow and we'll give you a hotel or whatever. Whatever they're offering, they will make that announcement and tell you that. Okay, great. I, I kind of like when nobody takes them on their first uh, time around when they say, we'll give you $300 and nobody goes up to the gate. Then it goes a little higher. I we'll always tell people around me that, hey, they'll give you more money if you hold yeah, out a little wait, bit. Wait, wait. Can you also get, uh, I've done this too, where you, you you take the money, but you also make them give you some drink coupons or some other stuff. Can you can you really horse trade or are those days over? Those days are long gone. Damn. It's the voucher. That's it. If, if, you, if, you, if you voluntarily take, take a bump, your flight was leaving at five o'clock. Right. The next flight doesn't leave until nine. Right. Now, what I normally do is I say, okay, fine. Here's your voucher. Here's your boarding pass. Here is uh, here's something to go get something to eat. Now it's very small. It's not the the monetary amount is not much, and it says right on the coupon, no alcoholic drinks. So we can't contribute to your delinquency, but we can give you some food. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. So that's a little little insight that you can uh, use to, you know, it's it, it will happen during the summer. They yeah. overbook the planes. Mm-hmm. Plus, if you get a thunderstorm or you have weather and a plane gets canceled, then it's complete havoc. You know that sometimes I do that on purpose. I will book an earlier flight and give myself a couple of hours leeway just in case because you never know. You may get a whole, you know, big old voucher. Right. Especially if you're traveling on a budget, it's a, it's a yeah, good gamble. You wait, mm-hmm. you go, oh, $500, I'll take it. Right. Go I, in, I had, you don't have to get home anytime, and you know, just you have two, you have a whole new ticket mm-hmm. waiting for you. I had a couple one summer who they took bumps all day long because they didn't have to get where they were going till the next day. They wanted to take a trip to Europe. And by the end of the day, I think they ended up with almost $5,000 in vouchers. Wow. wow. Smart couple. That's great. All right. So that's a great way to make a little extra money. Because you're traveling with someone else. It's right. perfect. I also know that a lot of the major carriers, like, uh, I don't know, let's say American, for example, you give them your, your cell phone number when you check in online. Always, You always want to check in in line 24 hours before your flight, see where you're at. Yep. You give them your cell phone number and then... If your flight's delayed or canceled, you get a little bit of an early warning system. So you could this is this just happened to me a month ago. I was sitting at the gate and my phone went off saying that my flight was canceled. So I walked right up to the counter and I said, Hey, I gotta get to wherever I was going. And you get yourself first on that list. Because if they're gonna have to reseat the entire airplane, does it matter that I went up there first? Was it American or Delta? Uh, I think it was Delta. American's always on time. What? Um, <laughs> no, you know, they, they all have their problems, but this was, I believe it was Delta. Um, does that make sense? Uh, uh, do you, does it matter when you walk up when there's a cancellation? Yeah, definitely. I, um, if, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you, if a flight cancels and what's going to happen is, and a lot of times there's an automated system that kick, kick, kicks in and starts rebooking people. But yeah, if you're one of the first people up there, you're going to get a better choice of what's, you know, as far as what's left going to where you're going. Say you're going to LA and there's four flights left. Mm-hmm. Well, there, everybody's going to start booking that the next one and then the next right. one and then mm-hmm. the next one. So yeah, the, the sooner you get up there, the better yeah. you be, you where you're off you are. And the apps are a good thing to have just in case, but don't rely on them because a lot of them don't send it out through the apps. The gate information is usually bad, but the, it's, yes. it's, it's a great way to check in on your way to the airport. And it's a great way to find out about traveling in the air is to listen to A Fork on the Road. That's Thank right. you so much, Sylvia. Not her real name. And <laughs> we appreciate your insights. If Folks, if you have any questions about airline travel and traveling in general, you can always call us at 310 No, wait. You can call us at 424-250-FORK. You leave us the question and we will answer it on the air. Sylvia, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Sylvia. We appreciate your secrets. And and I'm sure I will see you at O'Hare the next time I come through town. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She works for one of the major carriers. That's all I can say. Yeah, don't don't keep teasing people. I'm not going to tease them. I'm just saying she's she knows what she's talking about. She's been working for them for a long long time and she's got a lot of cool information and we thank her for coming on the show and now you are a little bit smarter. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up this episode of Fork on the Road. We've taken you all over the world. Uh, places you, uh, until recently you couldn't even go. I know. We talked about Cuba, we talked about Florida, we talked about 
What else? We got tips from our mystery flight That's attendant, right. Sylvia. Mm-hmm. That was a good one for me. Right. You get to learn about all the different ways that you can uh, keep your butt on the plane and not get kicked off. And if you do kick it off, how you make some money in the process of doing it. Uh, we're here every week with a new episode of A Fork on the Road. We'd love to have you listen in. Always, you want to follow me on Twitter. At Mark DiCarlo. Uh, at Mark DiCarlo. Right now we're running a big contest. Someone's going to win an underwater Vivitar camera. It's an 850W, a camcorder that you can shoot under, like you could shoot porpoises up close. Porpoises? Yeah, turtles. What's the purpose of that? I don't even know. <laughs> How do people win the camcorder? Um, you, you t- first of all, they have to follow you at Twitter, mm-hmm. at Mark DiCarlo. Then you tweet at Mark DiCarlo, hashtag a fork on the road, and let us know who the guests for today's show were. And the guests were Rosito Mabubi. Spell you can that. just say Rosita. Rosita. R-O-Z-E-T-A. From Florida. We had Warren from Cartan Tours for Cuba. And, and we had... Sylvia, our mystery flight attendant. So just send me a tweet, at Mark DiCarlo, hashtag a fork on the road, with those three guests, Sylvia, Warren, and, and Rosita. Rosita. And you'll be entered uh, for a chance to win... This fantastic Vivitar underwater camera. Underwater HD camera Vivitar. And you can enter once a week, every week, until someone gets that on the 4th of July. We'll be back next week with another show with different places all around the world because you can't travel if you're not traveling on your tongue. And that's what we talk about here on A Fork on the Road. That's the lovely and talented traveling diva, Yeni Alvarez. And I am not so quite talented and not quite as lovely (laughs) Mark DiCarlo. We'll see you next time on A Fork on the Road. See you soon.